and welcome to Killing It the Crimecast. I'm Lux. And I'm Sam. And today we have a very special guest, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Say hi, Joe. Hello. Um, so Joe is a longtime friend of mine and she's currently doing criminal investigation and forensic science at university. Yes. Did I get that right? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, so we thought we'd have her on as a spe- special little guest. Stumbling over my words a bit today. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but before we have her do her thing, we have a bit of housekeeping to do. So first of all, apologies if uh, the sound quality is a bit difficult in this one. We are sharing two mics between three people. Sam, what's that box thing called that we need a new one of? A DAC. Yes, yeah, so we need a new DAC so that we can have three mic inputs. Um which leads me on to my next point, which is we now have a Patreon page. So if Yay. <laughs> so if you'd like to donate, that would be amazing because then we can spend money on omnidirectional mics. We can get a new, what did you call it? DAC? A DAC, a DAC. Yeah, so we can get a new one of those, other little bits like that. Um, thank you so much to Kate from Ignorance Was Bliss. Honestly, Kate, you are an angel. So I was telling her that I felt anxious about the the patreon page and so she went and became our first patron which is just the cutest thing ever it's so lovely like to make me feel less anxious so thank you so much kate and also speaking of ignorance is bliss i want to do a little shout out um she did an episode on anxiety and i sent in a voice clip about one of my fears joe you've known me for so long can you guess Mm -hmm. what it is i haven't told her one of your uh sharks yeah was it yeah (laughs) one of lux's many fears one of them yeah one of the many um yeah, guess what I said about it? What? I don't have... Like, the bathroom stuff. <laughs> jo used to lock me in my bathroom and turn off the light and sing the Jaws theme tune because she knew it would scare me. <laughs> sorry. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, bitch. <laughs> no, to be fair, I'm just a pussy. By the way, this episode, I'm going to kind of... I'm gonna, it, I have to lean over to get the microphone, so I'm just going to kind of sit out. Just a little bit. Um, I think think that's it other than thanks to Gemma for ordering some of our merch from our Etsy which obviously link will be in the show notes so thank you Gemma also if you're hearing noises in the background we have three (laughs) dogs with us and they're all like scratching and biting various things so Joe are you ready I'm ready Joe's gonna tell us a bit about what happens after you die so what happens to the body all of that all of that stuff um so content warnings gets a little bit gross and Mm. That's it for now, content warning-wise. Just just gross. If you're squeamish or if you're eating, probably stop listening right now. Yep. Yeah, I'd say that's good. Do you good ever eat in your lectures when they're doing uh, stuff like this? N- yeah, not when they show photos, though. Yeah. But otherwise, then, yeah. Yeah, you're just Nothing imagining all the maggots me. and you're like, oh, this is fine. Mm, yeah, no. Uh, I'm very aware I'm not professional. I do a crime scene science module on my course, so just I'm going through some of the stuff I've learned on that. Um, and it's also the course is catered towards people wanting to do crime scene investigation. So a lot of the stuff I'm talking about is a lot of it is based around visual cues that you'd need as a crime scene science. So like training you how to look at a scene and and go observe it and yeah, Yeah. get stuff from that. So it's not necessarily the most scientific perspective. It's just your eyeballs. Well, exactly. So uh, yeah, I'll just go through the stages of death or after death. First one. I mean, you probably know most of them already, but uh, Palamortis. Blood running out of your face, you go pale. Oh, yeah. Then you go... When you say blood running out of your face, do you mean the blood in your face goes out or your face just, like, explodes? <laughs> I think you know which one do you mean. It just starts coming out of everywhere. It's just spurting everywhere. 
<laughs> squirting everywhere. <laughs> um, no, it just drains from your face. I think he knew that. He was yeah. just being a bit of a doozy. Mm. Um, Alga mortis is the next one, which is the cooling of your body after death. Uh, from the core, uh, it gives an idea of the post-mortem interval. Mm-hmm. Um, but then obviously all of that is very approximate. It's dependent on the ambient temperature, boiler settings. We have to take photos when you're at the crime scene of the settings of the boiler and record the weather details for that day because all of that can affect it. The clothing they're wearing, if they're under a skylight, that can have a... What if they're fat? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a big difference as well, size as well. Um, Roughly, your body cools twice as quickly in air than in water. Oh. Just some little fun facts. Um, then the next one is liver mortis. Which stage does, speaking of water, which stage mm. does the, bl- the bloating happen where like the gases are released and you like float to the top? Um, which is so, why you have to sink bodies with concrete or whatever. I have no idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we do talk about, so we'll get to that oh, okay. uh, vaguely in the next, but yeah, I don't yeah. know the exact about bodies sinking or anything like that. Um, so yeah, liver mortis, also known as hypostasis, lividity. Um, which is the pooling of the blood to the lowest extremities. It's apparent in one hour, fully developed in three to four hours, and then gets fixed at 16 hours. So can I tell a little anecdote here? Yes. So you've listened to Serial, and Mm. I've listened to Undisclosed. Sam, you've listened to Serial as well, so I don't know if you know this, because I think they only say it on Undisclosed. Yeah. But with the case of Adnan Syed um, and Heyman Lee's death, she had fixed lividity, and that proves that the prosecution's like explanation of what Adnan did with the body supposedly isn't actually the case because the lividity doesn't match yeah. with the details of I think they were like oh yeah he put her in this thing and her body wasn't fixed in a position I don't know it was a while to, since I listened to it but I think it's really cool to note how like these yeah you said they're going over that in the re- retrial didn't you or interested yeah in that. yeah or like that's like one of the things that they're using to try and get a retrial um so yeah, I think it's really interesting that like all these stages of decomposition um, and just after death. So like the cooling thing, like Sam, do you remember we looked into that case where the man was like, oh yeah, my wife, my, my wife's breathing, but she's had an accident and they get there and they're like, mate, he's cold. She's cold. Yeah. Yeah. Like she'd been just like sort of lying there for ages and ages. And he was like, oh my God, I heard the bang and immediately called the police. And it was like, eh, I don't know about no, that. No, you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it's really interesting. It all does. You can get so much just from little things like that. Um, so one of my lecturers, he was telling us that one of his biggest regrets in his career, so he used to be a crime scene investigator, mm-hmm. um, was that one of the scenes he went to, the it was a, a supposedly a suicide, so they were hung, um, and he noticed that there was pooling of the blood all on their back, their bum, the back of their legs. Which nothing, means they were lying on their back, Yeah, right? so they were lying on their back for like a significant amount of time after they died. Um, and obviously, if it was a if it was a hanging, hanging it would be in the feet. It would be in their it? feet. Yeah. yeah. So and so he said to his superior, he said, "I mean, that's not a suicide. Uh, that's not suicide. Someone's moved them after they died." Um, and the superior overruled him, and he said, "No," and he didn't fight for it, and he regrets that. Which obviously you would. That's awful. That's insane, man. That's that's ridiculous. How would you How would you not acknowledge that and be fine with it? No, I know. Yeah, like why did his? Do you know why his superior was I like? Know, no, I don't know if it was could have been a power play. Just that he was. Oh, yeah. A new CSI and he tried to come in. He didn't oh, like yeah. it or something more fishy was going on. I don't know. Maybe he was in on it. Maybe he did the murder. Maybe he did it. <laughs> I don't know. Either way, it's awful. So Yeah. Uh, the next stage, rigor mortis. Oh, yeah. Stiffening of the body after death. It 
begins in the face and neck around four to six hours. Full body is rigid 12 to 18 hours. It obviously just varies a lot uh, depending on the person. Again, does like size matter? Do babies get rigid like sooner than big adults? I don't know. Okay, (laughs) yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Um, And it's usually gone after 24 to 36 hours, so it doesn't stay. So you go floppy again, essentially? Yes. But lividity is fixed, right? Yeah, that's so. If I were, if someone died on their back, the livid, and then I waited until after rigor mortis went away, so I could move them into the trunk of my car or whatever. The lividity would be fixed, so they'd be able to tell that they were on their back and not on their side in the trunk the whole time, right? Yes, I believe cool. so. Yeah. Not planning anything. Just just <laughs> thought that was cool. No, yeah, it is interesting. Uh, decomposition, putrefaction, autolysis. Got different words for the next stage. Um, it kind of covers the whole process, but it's just the bacteria in the gut breaking down organic matter. Um, so you get beginning its green discoloration in the skin. After about three days, you get swelling and bloating. So that might have. Yeah, I think that's the bit where you hear about bodies floating to the top because it's yeah. the bloating and like the the body like re- releases certain gases or something. I think yeah. that's why why it bloats. Like the I don't I don't know. I'm I'm not Sounds a science good. man. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, bodies sometimes float to the top of rivers or whatever if they're not. Have you have you watched Safe yet? No. Sam, I haven't heard about Safe. Safe is like a a new TV show on Netflix with a guy from Dexter. Mm. Um uh Michael C Hall, who's awesome and his British accent. I'm, I gave it. I, I kept like changing it, but I pretty much settled on. He does a British accent. Yeah. I was. I'm setting on like a nine out of ten. Ooh. It was a. It was a What's good he, one. Is he he's American. American. He's very American. I settled on like a nine out of ten because there were certain times where he was like when he was speaking, he sounded really posh, but then he'd say certain words in a way that like someone less posh would say them. And it, it kind of just, it just sounded as someone who like hears an English accent every day. And I hear posh English accents and not posh English accents all the time. Mm. It just jumped out for me as being like, oh, that's not quite right. So like nine out of 10 is great. That is. Like there aren't many Americans who can do that. But other than the accent, it's also a very good show. <laughs> yeah. So what's it about? Yeah, It's basically this guy, uh, they live in like a gated neighborhood. So like a, like a suburb where there's a big front gate that every car goes through and everywhere's got security cameras and things like a safe suburban neighborhood and um this guy's daughter goes missing and then he has to sort of go around and find out and you realize that like every person in this gated neighborhood it's almost like the crucible every person has their own secrets and everything's interlinked and it's Uh, like yeah it's sort of like this one little area and everything sort of builds up but the reason i brought it up so it's really good sam and i watched it all in one night (laughs) is there one season yeah uh we went to bed so late oh my god but it was worth it um but the reason i brought it up is there is a body that floats to the top and literally sam and i just looked at each other and we were like why didn't they weigh it down everyone knows about the gases like we were so shocked we were like you idiots uh anyway carry on telling us about this very disgusting and disturbing topic yeah uh so bloating as we were talking about marbling of the veins near the surface of the skin two to three weeks organs and cavities burst oh you have to be so as a csi at the scene turning people over you have to examine them at this stage it's so easy for your hand to go through them and just go straight into yeah straight into that yeah grim um liquefaction of soft tissues and then formation of adipocere which is um a wax-like organic substance that forms from the fatty tissues <laughs> looking at my notes scientific yeah <laughs> um if so it forms a layer of the body you're not everyone gets it you're more likely to get it if you're fat overweight 
Um, but it can cover up wounds, so bullet holes won't be immediately obvious because you'll have a layer of adipocere over the body. Have you seen the film Seven? No. Right, well, in Seven, there's a scene with a very fat, very dead man. Yeah. And it is so horrifically gross because oh. of the marbling of the veins. And it's like, and the body is like sticky yeah. and like slimy because of the, what you just said. Adipocere, yeah. Adipocere, yeah. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming. I, I immediately forgot how to say it and you just said it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to blame you. <laughs> but yeah, like that that has a scene with that and it's very mm, it, yeah, horrible. It's just grim. And, and then, that's, is that skin slippage as well then? Uh, that would be before Adipocere, I think. Some, right, yeah. Some stage in decomposition. Gross. Yeah, grim. Um, and then you also have the smell as well. You don't even think about that when oh you're talking God, over yeah. it. But that's one of the biggest things walking into a scene. It's just... What do you even do? Because you have those things that cover your face, but like that doesn't take away the smell. You just have to deal with it. This is the job you want, Joe. This is yeah. disgusting. <laughs> what? You're, you're so like squeamish as well. Well, like... I haven't been to a real scene yet, so oh, who yeah, knows? True. I might go in and just be like, not be like, never mind, I quit. Literally one step in and then you're like, bye now. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Um, mummification. It doesn't happen always. You need circulation of warm air for it to happen. So a lot of the time, if someone's buried under floorboards, that's when you'll get mummification. Mm. Or if you're in Egypt, where there's warm air. <laughs> is that- <laughs> <laughs> and obviously the last thing is skeletonization. Um, and you assess the bones for trauma. A lot of the time you can see knife wounds still on the bones. Oh, yeah. And you can tell the age, stature, race, all those kind of things, if the body, if they were had already gone through puberty. Mm. Prior to puberty, you can't really tell. Yeah, things. we were, I think it was literally on the last episode where, who was that guy who did the river stuff by the river and chucked the bodies in, gay guy? Fritz Harmon. Yeah, so one of his victims was identified as like male, sort of early 20s or whatever. And we were like, how could they do that mm. yeah and they discovered bones and discovered that there have been like knife wounds in the bones yeah well now exactly. we know thanks joe <laughs> no problem that's all i've got yeah well that was fascinating good all right so joe knows about this case don't you you did this in one of your lectures or yes. as a i don't know what you call it when you do it in your lessons. As part of my module, yeah. yeah. It, was, it, was, it was an assess, we had to do a presentation on it at the end. So. Oh, very nice. But mm. I'll be presenting it today <laughs> with Joe jumping in with little tidbits and cool fun facts about this child's to. death. <laughs> oh, fun. So yeah, uh, content warnings, there's rape, there's sort of like domestic abuse kind of, and um, a child dies. 16 year old, so not like a baby, which was the topic last week. So it's gotten a bit less grim. Only a bit. It was still pretty grim. And this one, I assume, I assume is still pretty grim. It's very grim. Then again, it's a, it's a podcast about murder. It's always going to be a bit grim. <laughs> yeah, why are you here? <laughs> why are you here if you don't want to hear anything grim? So this is the case of the murder of Leanne Tiernan. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Tiernan, Tiernan. Tiernan. I'm just going to call her Leanne. Wait, where's she from? She's from Leeds. I, I don't know then. <laughs> like, it, if it was like Ireland, I'd think it was Tiernan. But if it was like, you know, Leeds. somewhere else, it was Leeds. <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty much just if Tiernan you said Ireland. Good. If, if yeah. you said Ireland, I would have thought Tiernan. Like I would have thought that's it. And I had no other name for any, like pronunciation <laughs> for any other place it could have been. I was putting all of my money on Ireland. <laughs> well, you were thing. wrong. No, she's from Leeds, which is in England, sort of up north a bit for people who don't know England very well. Um, and... 
by the way, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but I try and use the first name for victims anyway. So I'm not going to be saying Tiernan very much because I like to humanize the victims. But I do use the last name for the murderers because they're fucking monsters. So that's a trend if you haven't noticed, I tend to do. So I'm going to call her Leanne. So Leanne was 16 when she went missing in Leeds on the 26th of November 2000. She was reported missing by her mum. So she didn't come home from school. She was walking home from a friend. The friend branched off. Then the friend called the house and Leanne wasn't there. So the mum was sort of alerted that something was wrong. A little bit of time passed and the mum called the police. The police searched for days for Leanne. They did a really thorough job. They went through around a thousand houses and I think it was 1,500 properties. So like um, gardens and stuff. Serious search. Yeah, like huge search. And you, which I actually really commend because Sam, you and I see this a lot where a 16 year old goes missing and they're like, oh, they probably just ran away with their boyfriend. Yeah, I mean, you might as well fucking search. Have a look. Lift the cushions up on the sofa. Look what's underneath. Sift through all the change you've dropped and try and find your fucking daughter. <laughs> so many people are just like... Oh, it's a 16-year-old. Oh, her home life wasn't, like, idyllic and perfect in every way. Ah, she probably just ran away, didn't tell any of her friends or anyone she loves. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Whatevs. Yeah, take the easy route. It's not good. So, yeah, it's great that they searched everywhere. Um, she So she went missing in an area called Hawley Gill. I want to say Hawley Hill or Gawley Hill, but <laughs> Hawley Gill. Um, and the police were like, you know, obviously they were asking the public for any information and they got a call saying that they saw a man, this one woman saw a man with a small black and tan dog, like around Hawley Gill a lot. So she was like, he's there all the time. Maybe he knows something because that's the area she went missing in. So like, fair enough, but nothing really comes of that yet. Foreshadowing. Um, so... Nine months after Leanne was reported missing, her body was found by a dog walker, which is great because I'm a dog walker and literally every day I'm like, am I going to see something? It's always the dog walkers and the joggers. Yep. Well, I don't jog. They're so. always the ones Joe, find you've just started jogging, haven't you? I've done three. Yep. So Three jogs. Mate, Once. it's more than you've done. It's more than I've done. Let's I, be impressed. I can jog. I've jogged. We're both away from smokers. Danger. <laughs> and haven't done cardio in a I, long time. I sometimes run away from things like people who are mean or fights. That counts. Murderers. Yep. Murderers, I presume. Statistically, <laughs> I've probably run in a direction that was away from someone who was probably a murderer. Statistically, yes. But Statistically, I've done it. But on purpose. So congrats. You never said that. Thank you. <laughs> um all right so yeah she was found by a dog walker um and it was clear that her body had recently been dumped there so if i was a csi joe yes do tell i would be thinking if it's recently been dumped here she's probably been kept prisoner somewhere yeah you'd assume that she wasn't she hadn't been dead for very long if her body's just freshly there am yeah, i correct first thought i think on first impression Mm. Like more for shout. I'm looking at Sam with a very wily look on my face. Like that's what one would think. That's what an uneducated person would think. No, to be fair, that would be an educated guess with your eyeballs. I it's mean, we literally just clarified that Joe would guess that. So hence, an educated person would think that. Exactly. As you are literally an educated person. A half educated. Person. A two thirds educated because oh, you're about true. to go in your third year. Oh yeah. Look on, at then. you, more than halfway. <laughs> um. So she was in a. This is get this gets kind of gross. 
well, this whole case is gross, like in terms of it's horrible stuff and also the forensic stuff is gross as well. Yeah, there's a lot of specific bits of evidence to go through. Yep, and I'm gonna talk about how her body was found and if you're a bit squeamish or sad about a 16 year old girl being murdered, maybe fast forward about a minute. Her body was in a shallow grave inside of a floral duvet. In the duvet, the body was wrapped in nine green bin bags that were tied up with twine. Then there was a black bin bag around her head that had been secured with a dog collar around her neck. And the body was more decayed on the inside than on the outside. Sam, hazard a guess as to what this means. The body was more decayed on the inside than the outside. Mm-hmm. And based on what Joe's just told us, we know that it starts happening on the outside first. Pretty much. Right. Okay. So the body was preserved on the outside. The skin had How been preserved so? with, I don't know, honey, um, bees, bees and honey. Joe, do you want to tell the man? She'd been frozen. I was going to say that. But you said honey and bees. Yeah, I don't know. Because I, 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 then I said that you nodded when I said the skin had been it. And I was like, well, you don't just freeze the skin. You freeze the whole hog. Yeah, oh. but... <laughs> All right. So yeah, it did make them think that she had been frozen. Um, so this is really cool. So I was watching a Forensic Files episode on this and this is a cool fun bit which Joe didn't know about, which I was very pleased with um, because obviously she's educated and I'm not. Um, so what they did was they took samples of her heart tissue and they analyzed it under a scanning electron microscope. I have no idea what that is, but they looked at the thing and, it, and there were holes in the tissue And these holes indicated that she'd probably been kept in a home freezer because slower freezing leads to bigger ice particles. So like tiny icicles, basically, Um, which which would be consistent with the large gaps found in her tissue. Whereas if you use like liquid nitrogen or something, it happens quicker. So the ice particles are smaller. So you'd have smaller gaps in the tissue because the smaller icicles. Weirdly... I'm with someone who did a bit of research into this and someone who has done a degree in this. I know a lot about ice formation because I'm a bartender. And I did a lot of research into like how ice is formed and the different ways it's formed. So it's about how you try and make clear ice. So basically the larger ice crystals don't allow for more impurities and they form slower. But then smaller ice forms around larger ice, smaller crystals, and that allows more gaps and more room for impurities, which is what creates cloudy ice. So that actually makes a lot of sense because in in an industrial freezer or an ice machine, um, it would produce ice at a really high rate to produce that cooling. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's actually really cool. Yeah. Thought you'd enjoy Literally. that. Literally. Uh, cool. Cold. Ice is cold. <laughs> How did I not immediately get that? <laughs> You're a fool. Um, so there were also remnants of burnt wood in her hair, which indicated she'd been close to a bonfire. So they're like, right, this girl's died, been near a bonfire when she died, then preserved in a freezer, then dumped here with this dog collar and this twine and all the bin bags and the floral duvet. Fucking weird already. Now, the cause of death was strangulation. There was a scarf and cable ties around her throat. And guess what kind of hairs were found on her body? Dog. Yep, black and tan dog hairs. It's always dog hairs. I mean, we're looking after three dogs right now. 
I reckon in three months, they will still find dog hairs on us if one of us shows up dead. We, you have three black and white dogs. If your body was found, they'd just be like, well, this is clearly a relative of Cruella de Vil. Clearly. Clearly someone murdered her for her coats. <laughs> um, so that matched, the, obviously, the black and tan dog matched the witness description. So they were like, oh, maybe. Maybe there's something there. Now, I'm going to tell you about how they find their prime suspect. They look at the leather dog collar. They find out who the manufacturer is. They find the wholesalers and they find the wholesalers um, that is in that area of Leeds. Now, only three people had bought those collars in that area. One of the three on that list was John Taylor. He had also been named by someone when the police made a public appeal for information. So now his name's come up twice. So guess what they do? They go check him out. They go check him out. So John Taylor, born 27th of August, 1956 in Leeds. He was a delivery worker for Parcel Force. He was known as, Joe, I know you know this. Oh, the dog man. No, the pet man. The pet man. Because not only did he have dogs, but he had a number of ferrets. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a creep. I don't know why, but for some reason, I'm just like, just get a cat. Why do you need a ferret? Do you want to know a fun fact about ferrets and leads? Yeah. There is a, a ferret competition, a ferret-based competition that's held every year. And it's up north. And I believe partial, like some of the heats are held in Leeds. What the fuck? It's it? a competition where it's who can have a ferret down their trousers the longest. No. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the world record at one point was, I think it was like 51 seconds. And then a guy broke that record with three ferrets for eight minutes in his pants. He probably you, loved it. Can you hold them there or do they just have to stay there? No, you get like drawstring and you tie up the bottom and the top and they just like climb and claw your legs. And like, and you have to, and he, he goes, the trick is to make sure they're not hungry so they don't start eating your genitals. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, so that's a fun little fact. I bet you, bet you Taylor was into, into this. I bet, I bet you he was. I bet you he was one of the finalists. He also um, he also sold pet food, so I guess so. Maybe it was his idea to feed them first <laughs> before they went in his pants. Um, so, Sam, he has a previous conviction. Can you guess what it is? Stealing. Oh, yeah. It's always stealing. Always. Do you know about this, Joe? Do you know about the triad? No. Do you know about the serial killer triad? Well, no. stealing isn't even in the triad, Sam. No, I know, but it just reminded me of, because it, it's such a classic... It's the McDonald's triad. Yeah, there's the McDonald's triad. It's nuggets, burger, fries. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically the reason I was reminded of this is because stealing is such a common thing. It's a common event to happen in a serial killer's life or in a lot of killers who are like generally like spree and serial killers. A lot of them have this trait, but mainly they all have three things, which is the McDonald triad, which is uh, abusing animals when they were young, arson and bedwetting or uranesis, uranesis or uranesis. I don't know. Now, I don't really like the third one. Because the third one, it's not about the fact that they wet the bed. It's about the way that their family react to it. Yeah. So my brother, I'm sorry, sorry, bro. Um, he wet the bed for like quite a while. But my parents were really nice about it. They were like, oh, come and sleep in our room and then wake us up if you need to go to the toilet in the night. They got him like a video game that was supposed to like deprogram his like psyche so that he wouldn't do it in his sleep oh. or whatever. He had a bed sheet that get, used to give him like a little electric shock to wake him up if it got wet. Oh, right. Yeah. I was like, what? Not just in general, but just like a little jolt so he'd wake up as soon as he started started peeing and right, it got yeah. wet. But Sam, tell Joe what happens to most of these serial killers who we 
on their beds. They get berated by their parents. Um, I think it was Jerry Brudos. Was uh, I was I was just looking into him recently for a bit of fun. He used to wet the bed, and then his mother would find it, make him pull the sheets off, wash them by hand, while she yelled at him and called him like a pathetic little boy. And didn't she make? Didn't she like? brandish them as well and be like look what he's done everyone because he had siblings no that, that wasn't him else? that was a different one that was a different serial killer but there's a lot of them who yeah. go like look what he's done and then all the brothers and sisters like laugh at him and there are some where it's like sleep in it yeah, yeah. exactly you know I actually I'm not it's not ashamed you shouldn't be ashamed uh, Lux's brother <laughs> no don't say his name you shouldn't be ashamed Lux's brother <laughs> who shall remain nameless for some reason but um like, I, I wet the bed until really late. Mm. Like, until I was like 11. Like, genuinely. Mate, I, I wet myself this New Year's. Yeah, but that's for something very different. <laughs> but I like, my sleep, I know we're getting really off track here, but like, my you said your brother had got given like a video game to deprogram him. Yeah. With, I had none of that. And I had way worse stuff. I, I grew up with insomnia, bedwetting, and then when I actually well, did good, end up sleeping. Well, good, because you were never asleep. Yeah. When I did end up sleeping, apparently, right, I don't know if you know this, when I was young, I used to, like, scream and, like, wail and cry in my sleep. Like, like I'd literally just had my leg ripped off, and my mum would come in, and I'd be asleep, like, tears streaming down my face, like, crying and screaming. My mum would, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, are you okay? Are you okay? I'd wake up and be like, oh, you're right, mum. <laughs> What's up? Why'd you wake me up? <laughs> And that literally, she'd be, like, so she'd be like, "What were you dreaming about?" And I was like, "Nothing." <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> like, it, I don't know why. I, I, I you can't know, remember we talked about. You know, we talked about my shark fear at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, Joe, I think you know this anecdote. Once my mum came into my room and I was like swinging my arms around as if I was swimming the front crawl or whatever it's called, the yeah. one where you go forwards and your arms are swinging. Front crawl. Yeah, yeah Lux exercises. <laughs> <laughs> I love swimming. Um, and I was screaming, shark, shark, shark. And I remember that dream vividly. And I was being chased by a shark Aww. in a swimming pool. Oh yeah, you didn't like swimming for that reason. Nope, but now I'm a certified scuba diver. What the fuck's that about? It's because I make people hold my hand when I do. That's why. <laughs> That's impressive. Though. I had this big man like hold my hand, and we went down, and he was just like, he's he was so like macho, but he was so nice to me, and I was just like, thanks, Aww. babe. Anyway, we are very off topic. Um, so his wife divorced him in 1996. I'm not surprised. Get out there, gal. Um, so he started using Lonely Hearts ads a lot. Now he's not a, he's not an extremely attractive man, but he got a lot of responses. And he's what... not attractive. No. Maybe that's maybe when you know what he did and you look at a photo, that will affect your view of it. But when I looked at his photo, I was he not was creepy. I mean, I would not drop trowel for him, let's just put it that way. <laughs> um so yeah, so they got ex-girlfriends to the police, that is, got ex-girlfriends to talk to them, and this is what they said. Two of the ex-girlfriends called in and said that he used to brag about poaching in Lindley Woods, which is where the body was found. Yeah. Um, one woman said that he told her that he liked tying women up and locking them in a cupboard. And I'm like, okay, tie someone up, have sex with them. That's just a bit of BDSM. But why would you lock them in a cupboard? Then they might as well not be in the house because they're just locked away. You can't even see them. Where's the pleasure? Sam, tell me. I don't know. I mean, I feel like if you're doing some sort of weird, sexy Harry Potter role play <laughs> and you're sort of like, stay in the cupboard, you sexy wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'd be into that. I'd be into that. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to... I was desperately trying to think of, like, a Harry Potter sex pun. Slither in your chamber of secrets. 
No, I, I, was, that I was going for more for like, what's the Harry Potter spell where it makes people really rigid? Oh my god, I should know this. Oh, uh, oh, uh, she does it on Hermione. Does it on Neville? Neville on Neville. No, we can't. Petrificus Totalus. Yeah, that was gonna be so. Joe's literally reading Harry Potter right now. That would have been so fucking embarrassing. <laughs> I don't know why. But yeah, that's exactly why I would use the cupboard in that context. Anyway, child murderer. Um, another woman who dated him uh, said that Taylor had told us that he had a bit of a BDSM fetish, like, like tying up. So just lots of people are corroborating this tying. He also said to this woman that he'd like to tie up her daughter and have sex with her. I don't want to make anything fun out of that. No. No. Former girlfriend told the police that she used to go to Lindley Woods, again, where the body was found, with him, and that the reason she'd broken up with him is, this is grim, because the being tied up and stuff made her feel, quote, that she was being raped, end quote. So clearly this wasn't... Just to clarify, BDSM is fine. You do you. But it's only sex when the other person enjoys it. Yeah. It's only sex when I say, I love it when you tie me up. Let's have sex and tie, tie me up. If I... If I get tied up against my will and I'm having sex with you, even if I want to have sex with you, if I'm not okay with the tying bit, it's not sex. No, not at all. So she was basically raped. If yeah. she felt like she was being raped, then she, she was, was raped. Exactly, yeah. So there was an element of it which she didn't consent to and yeah. she didn't enjoy. So she stopped having sex at that point because you can withdraw consent like halfway through. Like it yeah, doesn't yeah. matter when you stop enjoying it or decide that you don't want to do it anymore. So I feel really bad for all of his ex-girlfriends because if, you know, all these testimonies just sound horrible. Yeah, not... It doesn't sound like any of them were into it because they all called in and said, this is a weird thing that you should know rather than, we had a great sex life, this is what he did. Did they appeal or did they all... The police appealed. Right. And were like, do you know anything about this this guy, John Taylor? And then they called in. And before that, someone had brought him up as... I suppose they appealed to be like, oh, do you know anyone who goes in Lindley Woods and is a little bit suspect? And there was like one call and his name was brought up yeah, through that. Okay. So probably an ex did that as well, but I couldn't find any information about who who was. The fact that they were all so willing, so yeah. many people and so easily... Just shows how creepy he yeah. was, right? Because like, I can't imagine if someone was like, does anyone have any creepy stuff on Sam? Literally, other than this podcast, <laughs> there wouldn't be a lot to call in about. But the fact that he had so many ex-girlfriends being like, uh, yeah, we do. And then saying all of this stuff and they're all saying that like the same thing. Plus, if people told you bad things about me, I'd just be like, fake news. <laughs> it's just fake news, mate. I'm a tremendous man. Tremendous. <laughs> it's huge. It's it's huge, the list of people who think I'm a tremendous man, tremendous. Okay, so this next bit is quite significant. When the police asked an ex to describe how Taylor would tie her up, she'd say that he would put a cable tie around each one of her wrists and then use a third cable tie to connect the two. So there were three cable ties acting as sort of handcuffy things. Guess how Leanne Tiernan was tied up? Three cable ties? You're looking at me like, it's a guess, but I know that you know because like, you like, did the case. Like that? Yeah, exactly like that. So very specific way, right? It's not just like her... You know how they find out what someone's profession is through like knots and stuff? Sometimes they're like, oh, he was a sailor. He's a sailor's knot. This is essentially the equivalent. Like this man who does sex stuff and when he does it, he uses this way of tying has done it to this girl. Why are you laughing? I don't know why like the knot thing is such an interesting thing. It's like this person used a butcher's knot. Like, I feel like now with the, the existence of the internet, it's a lot harder to do that. Yeah, because you just Google knots. Someone, you just go like, what's the best knot to tie around a thing? And it'll just come up and, you'll just be, and they'll just be like, oh my God, 
this guy was, was like, this guy was a stenographer because <laughs> of the type of knot. And he's just like, no, I just went online and found a stenographer's knot. It's all good. But this, this is in the 90s. So. It's a thing. It's a way they tie it as well would make a difference, though. It's all the criminal profiling yeah. stuff. If it's the same at every scene, like it's the same type of knot, then yeah. it's going to be like this person is trying to tie this person up quickly. And so they're doing a knot they're comfortable with. This is a sailor's knot. So they're probably a sailor who is comfortable with this type of knot. So they do it when they're under pressure, you know, like... Yeah, you could Google it, you're right. But it's not a lead that you shouldn't follow just because the internet exists. No, I wasn't saying it shouldn't. No, I know. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, um, speaking about cable ties and stuff, um, one of his exes also said that Taylor had kept a bundle of cable ties in a drawer next to his bed. So pretty much always had them, used them in sexual stuff, and they were found on Leanne. So he was arrested on suspicion of murder on the 16th of October 2001, and the police sealed off his property and searched it. Guess what they found. I don't know how I feel about all this guessing game okay, and stuff. Okay, I'll just tell you, fine. Just just tell me. Yeah, all right. Um, so they found three large chest freezers. What? How was I supposed to immediately guess that they found three large chest freezers? Well, you also could have said the bin bags or the cable ties or the t- twine, because they're all relevant right now. Yeah, but I also could have said, like, dog. just the drabbest wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> it was so mundane. So many fashion faux pas. <laughs> to be fair, we'll get to that. <laughs> we will <laughs> there is an interior design flaw here am i right joe there is there is yep so they sealed off his property and searched it three large chest freezers um they found on the scarf that was tied around leanne's neck uh, the hair on it matched taylor joe do you know how they did the matching of the hair um i think so there wasn't enough to get a full dna profile but i think they got a mitochondrial dna profile which you can do with a smaller dna sample yeah so you don't need the hair follicle you just have the shaft i think i could be wrong but i think okay (laughs) cool um and then oh tell us about the twine so the twine found on leanne's body it was used to tie the bags together wasn't it yeah they tracked down the supplier and found out only one batch of it had ever been made um and then they looked in his house and it was also in his house and um, it was made for rabbit snaring. And obviously he was a poacher. Yeah. So it sort of linked to, obviously it was in his house. So like, duh. But also it sort of linked to him in that way because obviously it's something he would have lying around and just sort of used it. Yeah. And uh, so this is a lot of a lot of the evidence in this case, actually, including this is circumstantial. Mm. Yeah. So on its own, it wouldn't stand, but altogether it paints. Yeah, exactly. Picture. So the poacher thing sort of like adds a little bit of extra flavour. Who the fuck is buying this, like, one in a million twine? No, no, basically... One batch was ever made. No, 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 was ever sold to the public, as in, like, was ever made to be commercially used. Was the rest in a fucking museum? No, the rest is being used by, like, professional rabbit killers who do it on, like, farms and stuff. (laughs) Just, the way it's presented, like, like, it was this one in a million twine. No, as in, like... Made, like, made by blind monks. No, as if, as in, like, if you didn't work in, like, a rabbit factory i don't know where you get rabbits from. a rabbit factory. i don't know where they come from but if you didn't work well they're not made in a factory okay well if you don't work in the rabbit snaring business you would only ever have had this one batch to buy from commercially yeah yeah i, I wasn't very clear so yeah suck it sam um, <laughs> yeah my bad uh joe do you want to tell us about the cable ties because this is pretty interesting well i don't know i found it interesting sam you tell us I don't know. No, tell us if you find it interesting afterwards. I'll let you know if I if this is interesting. If if I say no, then you as the listener will not be hearing this because I'll edit it out. So the company which manufactured them sold 99% of 
of them to Royal Mail, which is the patent company of Parcel Force, which is where John Taylor worked. So he had, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so he had easy access to them. Um, and they searched his house and they found more of the same cable ties. Yes, Again, indeed. circumstantial, but builds a picture. It builds a picture. So, the you know, obviously if it's mainly within the postal system and he's a postal worker, obviously he's going to have easy access. So that and the poaching and blah, blah, blah. It all adds up, doesn't it? Um, yeah, green plastic bags, go. <laughs> so they found green plastic bags that were the same as the ones on the scene in his house. But um, so plastic bags, actually, if you look at them under with a backlight, they have fish eyes in them, things called fish eyes, which means you can say, you can say, yes, this is the same as this plastic bag. It's from the same, you can't say it's from the same role. You can say it's the same, it's been produced. It's the exact same one that's been, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, that made sense. So it's been produced like at the same factory or in the same batch. Yeah, it's or... the same batch or it's the same yeah. type. So what is the fish bag. eye like? Is fish it... eye, oh, so it's just like, it looks like a little circle. It's just, I don't know how They'd... it's made. Oh, okay. There are just some circles you can see. I'm assuming it's just a feature that's created as a sort of byproduct of the production right, of yeah. plastic bags and different factories have different sizes of machine and printers and things. Yeah, exactly. Um, and obviously, you can tell the different thickness of the bag as well. That makes yeah. a difference. So all of it, you can, you they could match the ones that were yeah. found on the scene to the ones in his house. Yeah. Basically. So they went just like it's a bin bag, and he has bin bags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Oh. Okay. So now we're at the. Mm, I don't want to call it a mishap, and I don't, it's not a fashion faux pas. An interior design flaw. Yes. On the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, why don't you tell us about this disgusting carpet? I will. There was a strand of fibre. I think it was red. Yes, it was. It was. Okay, found. Bright red. <laughs> found on Leanne's body. Um, and it matched a strand of fibre that was found around a nail in John Taylor's house. So he on, In the floorboards? It, yeah, in the floorboards there was a nail. A tiny strand of it was found there. Um, and he'd ripped up the carpet burnt it to dispose of it but he left that one bit and they could match them looking at the dye patterns man that's cool bright red carpet that's really cool you know he's a murderer when he's got bright red carpet and also like i can see the forensics i can see like i can see this as a forensic file episode yeah where it's just like um, one tiny fiber it's just, yeah, it's like, one tiny fiber changed everything <laughs> you would refer to this perhaps as his fatal floor Oh. You see that? See what I did there? Also, remember that I said that they found bits of like ash and stuff in her hair? He made a bonfire to burn the carpet. Oh. She'd been near the bonfire. Joe, what else had she been near? Very sad. The trees. I thought we were done with guessing games. No, Joe's just going to tell us about the trees. The trees in her nose. Oh, I forgot that Joe also knows this case. Yeah. So it's not guessing. No, it's not. It is though, because I can't remember any of it. Um... So the pollen analysis, they looked, the types of pollen in her nose matched the garden. They could place her in his garden, basically. Yeah, pretty much. He had like a bunch of specific trees and all the different types of pollen they found in her nose and like on her skin and in her hair. They were like matches. So again, circumstantial, right? But it's still pretty cool. Um. So guess what they didn't find? Oh, I'm so sorry with the guessing game. They didn't find his dog. This black and tan dog. They didn't find it. So they were like, oh, either that was a false lead or we've got the wrong guy. But then they excavated the garden. He'd killed his dog. Oh, fuck. Yep. He'd killed his dog because he knew that they were looking for a man with a black and tan dog. 
because obviously the police doing appeals and stuff, they'd be like, well, we had one person say they saw this on the hill, whatever. Um, so yeah, he murdered his dog and buried it in the back gar- garden so that the police wouldn't find it if they did come looking and think it would. he thought it would throw them off. It, this was the first case that used, I don't know, first case in UK, first case in Britain, I'm not sure, but that managed to produce a partial dog DNA profile in... Fun fact. Very cool. Very fun fact. Um, and they matched the dog hair to the dog hairs found on Leanne's body, which was good job, everyone. <laughs> that was a good sentence. So they interviewed him and confronted him with all this evidence. And so he just confessed. Um, but he only confessed to kidnapping her and said that her death was an accident. Um, he said that she'd walked past him and he grabbed her from behind on impulse, tied her hands behind her back with a dog leash and covered her head with his jacket, forced her to walk to his home because they were close to his home. What the fuck? That is super fucked up. Like, oh yeah, I, I just uh, had an impulse. Like, how psycho do you have to be to just see a girl and like have the urge to grab her? I mean, we've literally been talking about serial killers for like 15 weeks now. Apparently, quite easily. Apparently, I know, it's but, quite easy. I know, but a lot of them are like planned out. He literally wasn't. Apparently, he wasn't planning on doing this. So his his story is that he wasn't planning on doing this, and he just did it on impulse, which I find really bizarre. Because people like Dharma would like plan it, and I don't know. I just. Do find you think it maybe he was just trying to sort of alleviate some of the blame? So maybe it takes out. Oh, you're giving me a look that makes me think that he was doing exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, he took her into the bedroom when there was a struggle and apparently she fell off the bed and hit her head. He picked her up by the scarf that was around her neck and then found that she had died. I'm sorry. Is anyone else going to call bullshit along with me right now? Bullshit? Yeah. Bullshit? Nice. Very nice. Nice. Two for two. We are in agreement. Um... So apparently he panicked and hid her body in Lindley Woods immediately. And now the police were like, no, you fucking didn't. You fucking froze her. And he was like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Another reason that they realised that she hadn't been in the grave for a long time, it was shallow. And also there was blowfly larvae on it. Mm-hmm. And they're the first insect to lay bugs on a dead body. Or sorry, to lay eggs on a dead body. Yeah. Uh, so... If she'd been there a long time, there'd be way more. Yeah. And also, like, you'd assume that animals in the woods would have found her and, like, dragged bits of her away. Yeah. Like, not to be too macabre, but that's what they would have done, right? Yeah. And so I think there was presence of other insects that favour semi-decomposed bodies. Oh. And because she was semi-decomposed because of the f- being frozen, yeah. that indicated it as well. So there's lots of stuff there that they're just like, this body has not been here a long time and is not very decomposed. Yes. So the fact that he was like, oh yeah, I immediately jumped her there nine months ago when I kidnapped her. No, you didn't, mate. No, you didn't. Bullshit again. Bullshit. Bullshit. So the prosecution maintained, looking into his background, I can see why they did this. They maintained that he was preparing to rape her in the bedroom and then she saw his face and so he decided to kill her. When someone strangled, the blood vessels in their eyes pop. Um, and you've got ligature marks as well around the neck you would have so you, you can't just be like I picked her up by the neck which is why she's got these they know that the cause of death was strangulation so they know that he killed her she didn't just fall off the bed and you know they made this assumption that it was because she saw his face so the trial started on the 8th of July 2002 he was tried at Leeds Crown Court 
He'd previously entered a guilty plea to the abduction, and on the first day of his trial, he entered into a guilty plea to the murder. He was sentenced on the same day as that trial, because obviously you don't need a jury or anything if you're pleading guilty. Yeah, if you're pleading guilty, it's just a sentencing hearing. Mm -hmm. um, he was sentenced to a mandatory term of life imprisonment, which I couldn't find out why this happened, but it was later changed to a minimum of 20 years. So life term, minimum of 20 years without parole. Oh. And I'm thinking, why? Well, life prison is 25 years, isn't it? Mm, I don't know. That's like the ma a mandatory sentence of life in prison means you have to be in prison for at least 25 years. So changing it to a minimum of 20, you know, this the fact that he pleaded guilty means they have to give a lighter sentence. Oh, true, I suppose. So, I mean, you know, the chances are he initially got given that sentence and then they said, well, to be honest... I, I don't believe, I think he deserves that. He deserves life in prison. Mm -hmm. But given how you hear, like, given the fact that some serial killers or like people who kill three people get life in prison, it seems fair that one guy who killed one girl gets 20 years minimum. Well, oh, Joe he, and I are sharing a look. <laughs> he's going to be a bloody serial killer, isn't he? Well, I do have a quote from Joe. What does it mean when it says supped? Like, dept? Superintendent? Maybe? Oh, so Deputy Superintendent Greg said <laughs> Greg with two G's. Oh my god. So so that's just immediately undercuts any superiority he has. Like deputy superintendent Greg. <laughs> Greg. Also there's a shop called Greg's in the UK, which is like literally where builders go to get their sausage yeah, rolls at lunchtime. Grim. I fucking love Greg's, can I just say? Oh, they're yum yums and they're coffee. Hello. So it's not just for builders. It, it was my point. But that's like, okay, you know what? I'll shut up. So Greg <laughs> said, quote, we do not believe that this is the first major crime he has committed. We feel that the way this murder was pre-planned and the way he hid and disposed of the body was calculated. We cannot exclude the possibility that he has killed before, end quote. I, I disagree with that. No. I disagree. No. Am I wrong? Babe. Think about what we know. Like, he did a couple of things, right? So he, well, I think, like, he freaked out and put it in the freezer. He may not have freaked out. That might have been his plan all along. But look at the other things. He killed his dog to cover for this crime, right? He also ripped up all the carpet in his house for this crime. If he was a serial killer, what, what is he going to do? Rip out his carpet every single time he kills someone and kill every dog he happens to have at the time when he kills someone. I might be wrong, but I so the reason that he suddenly buried her is because the freezer failed. So he would not have been found out unless his freezer failed. So I think after the freezer failed, that's when he ripped. Oh, um, is that right? I don't know. I didn't hear anything about that. I I so, have no. I, there was so little information about what he did with the body in his house. Yeah. So, so the reason it may look suddenly not planned is because he didn't plan for the freezer to fail, and that's when he panicked. But I mean more like, I don't, the thing I'm saying is I don't think that he's like a serial killer and it's not his first crime and like there are other things he's done. Because genuinely, like the fact that he, I think the most telling one of the dog is the dog and the carpet, right? Especially the carpet. But maybe he didn't do them at his house. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. But also there's no evidence to show he did it anywhere else. Well, there was a bunch of stuff of cases that had been reopened, but I didn't look into them because this episode I knew would be too long if I included all of that. But a few cases were reopened. A few rape cases were looked into after this as well. So I just think that a guy who is a sexual deviant in the way that he is and had the suit stealing and his wife left him and girlfriends left him because of his weird sex and planned it in this way... I don't think it would have been his first offence. 
I don't know. I, to me, I I think we we might just end up disagreeing. But yeah. to me, I think this doesn't sound like a first. This sounds like a first crime. It sounds like he did it, put it in his freezer, which is not a long term solution. Mm. Like it just isn't. Like if anyone in his house, the longer you keep it in your house, the worse it's going to be. Yeah, and a freezer is better than just out. But someone could look in his freezer. That is not a long term solution. Yeah, he was panicking. He killed his dog. Ripped out all his carpet, had a massive bonfire to burn everything he could. Like, to me, that sounds like him killing someone because he is an insane person and it's his first kill and him freaking the fuck out and trying desperately to cover his tracks. That, that's just what it sounds like to me. Let's agree to disagree. Uh, does anyone have anything to add? Because that is the end, basically. No, I don't have anything to add. I don't think. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Joe. We appreciate and love you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Guys, let us know if you want us to do more episodes like this where we have like an expert or a guest who's got like a hometown murder or something. Just if you want more than just me and Sam nattering away, do let us know. We can become very tiresome. Indeed. Um, so we are going to play a promo after we finish signing off. It's from Fame and Misfortune, which is a fantastic podcast. They talk about famous people who have either been murdered or murdered people themselves or did some other crimes. Um, I haven't actually listened to one yet that hasn't involved murder. So I'm just making an assumption that if one did a bank robbery or, or ran a drug cartel, they might cover that. Who knows? Um, me, after I finish listening to all of the episodes, that's who. Um, <laughs> but it, and then afterwards, they give a beauty tip because they're both makeup artists and it's just a really nice way to end the podcast. And I have learnt to use cleansing oil before my face wash. Hmm. That sounds like an excellent tip. It is. And there are many more where that came. So please do um, hang about after we've signed off so that you can hear them talk about their own podcast. Yeah, great. Thank you. You, uh, you guys can find us on iTunes. Uh, rate and review would be awesome. Give us that sweet, sweet five star if you if you want to. Yes, no pressure. Star. Um, and follow us on Twitter at Killing It Crime and on Instagram at Killing It Crimecast. Uh, and thank you again, Joe, for coming in and giving us some info. Thanks, Joe. Not at all. Even if it was two thirds educated info. <laughs> that's two thirds correct. <laughs> that's more than us. Yeah, that's it fine. definitely is. Um, yeah. So let's go. Let us know if you want more of these episodes. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Does it freak people out when you get visibly excited talking about serial killers? Do you want to learn how to draw eyeliner wings sharp enough to kill a man? Fame and Misfortune is a celebrity true crime podcast hosted by Aaron and Stephanie, two quirky makeup artists who bonded over their love of makeup and mansion. Each episode is a pleasant blend of famous murder and the occasional beauty tip. It's the podcast full of crime, glam, and social anxiety you didn't know you needed. Tune in for new episodes every Monday and Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen. 